Well, today, my brothers and sisters, we celebrate the final feast of the liturgical year. It's the Feast of Christ the King. What's this feast all about? Well, it was instituted by Pope Pius XI between the two world wars. And it was instituted in response to a a grave concern that he had. And that was, at that time, as it is today, but really kind of especially at that time, even more so in some ways than it is today, you could notice all over the world how there were regimes and political movements that were forcing religion out of the public sphere. Okay, so you had you have different fascist groups, and then of course you had the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia and all the different Marxist movements, and it looked like religion was being kicked out of town. Okay, religion not just as practiced by the individual but religion as it is felt and as it functions as an influence in the broader social and even political sphere of society. That was the, that's the issue. So by saying, by affirming this truth that Christ is the king, we're essentially saying to the rulers of the world, be careful, who's boss now? Come on, remember. Jesus is the boss, not you. And you can't kick him out of your space. Okay? So that's the whole idea here. And this is why we have the second reading from the Revelation that says, Jesus Christ is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Okay, so who's the boss? That's the kind of the question here. Jesus is the boss, and that's what we're affirming here. He's the boss, especially in relation to political rulers and political leaders. Now last year, if you'll remember, I preached about a saint whose feast we celebrated just a few days ago. Uh, A saint by the name of Miguel Augustine Pro. He was a Jesuit priest martyr who was killed during the Mexican Revolution. And he's got this famous picture of him standing in a cruciform posture and he's shouting before a gunmen who are who are killing him or shooting him and he's shouting long live Christ the king so you talk you, you look at this kind of Marxist revolution that was taking place in Mexico in the early 20th century it's a great example of, of what we're talking about who's the boss you know the Marxists were closing down the churches they were killing clergy and religious so who, who, the question was who's the boss who's the boss now that's a very dramatic example the the Mexican Revolution. But there's a way in which this whole question of who's the boss gets played out in much more subtle ways in our society here in America. Okay? And it's really a battle between a spirit of secularization that's not going to crush Christianity and use coercive force necessarily, overt, violent coercive force. But they might use, it might use other means to sideline the faith, to sideline Jesus' purpose and interests and kingdom in the hearts and the minds of men. Okay, so a really great example of this mentality uh, was articulated by someone I heard being interviewed a few years ago, and for the purpose of this homily, I had to hunt the interview down on YouTube, and I was able to find it, but it was an interview being conducted uh, with a professor of biology at the University of Minnesota by the name of P.Z. Myers. And uh, it was a 
it, it had to do with science and religion, but more fundamentally, it had to do with the role of religion in the public sphere. Okay, and this is what he says. This is what he says. I think it's a really good embodiment of the spirit of secularization that this feast has been established to counteract. Religion is an idea that gives some people comfort, and we don't want to take it away from them. It's it's like knitting. People like to knit. We're not going to take their knitting needles away from them. Okay, we're not going to take their churches. But what we've got to do is come to a place where religion is treated at the level it should be treated. Something that people get together and do on the weekend and really doesn't affect their life as much as it has in the past. Okay, really doesn't affect their life as much as it has in the past. This is precisely what the Feast of Christ the King is has been established to counteract. We are not Christians just within the four walls of this church. We are not Christians just within the time constraints of these 50 minutes or of others' homilies long, our time period that we do on Sundays. Our Christianity goes out into the world and it affects things. It's relevant, okay, and it's powerful. You know, I have a hard time relating to this guy, actually, what he says, especially in the first sentence here that I quoted. Religion is an idea that gives some people comfort. I don't know. When I was a kid, the church was not comfortable at all. These pews were awfully hard, and I did not want to sit in them for an entire hour. What I cared about as a kid growing up was not comfort, but the question of truth. Is this true? Is this religion true? This is what Jesus is dealing with in our gospel today. He says, for this reason I came into the world. For this reason was I born. To testify to the truth. And all those who are of the truth, hear my voice. To testify to the truth. The kingdom that Jesus comes to bring is a kingdom of truth. And it begins first and foremost with deep conviction of the heart. He came to transform the world not through coercive force, okay, not through shoving ideology down someone's throat, but by transforming our hearts through his grace. It is a kingdom that begins in the most interior parts of the human person. It begins there, but it doesn't end there. It will not be satisfied until it has taken over the entirety of an individual's life and has affected everything, everything. So that there is not a compartmentalization. You know, I'm a Christian when I'm just with these people, but I'm not a Christian when I'm with these other people. I'm a Christian just at this time, but not at this other time. I'm a Christian on Sundays, but not the other six days of the week. I'm a Christian when people are looking, but when they're not looking, I'm something else. That's not the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. The kingdom that he came to establish is not to be sidelined. It is not to be compartmentalized. It is a kingdom 
that is not satisfied until it reigns completely over every element and every aspect of our life. So we can talk about who's the boss in many different ways. We can talk about who's the boss, okay, in the public sphere. We can talk about who's the boss in the sphere of our hearts and our lives and in our community as a whole. So when it comes to who's the boss in our, in our lives, I think there's a few examples here. Um, I remember when I was in Auburn and I was uh, hearing confessions. Now, oftentimes, St. Mary's in Auburn is a place, it's kind of like a destination church for weddings. So weddings take place there all the time, constantly. So it was a Saturday and there was a wedding taking place. And commonly, as a confessor, my practice was to sit in the confessional and people would just kind of walk around the edge of the church. Even when the wedding was going on, it wasn't a big deal. Everybody did it. It's not a problem didn't interfere with the wedding, was, was no issue. And so I would hear confessions commonly during, um, during weddings. Well, one day, a relative of then-Vice President Joe Biden uh, was having a wedding, actually. And lo and behold, Joe Biden was there. So I'm sitting in the confessional, and I'm kind of wondering why there's no penitents coming. And I sat there for an hour. And afterwards, I found out that his Secret Service men turned penitents away at the door. No, you can't come in here. Okay, it's a small example, but it's a perfect example. I remember thinking to myself, well, la-dee-da! <laughs> Who is more important? Who's the boss, Joe Biden or Jesus? What if Jesus was summoning a person, had a mortal sin on their conscience, and was summoning them to confession? That their soul would be saved. Who's the boss? Jesus or Joe Biden? Jesus. Jesus. You got it right. Always, that's right. So, you know, again, another little story I think of is, this goes back to the 4th century here. And my, uh, my patron, St. Anthony of Egypt, he was, a, he was a, a guy that was a hermit. He went out in the desert. He lived in the desert. He inspired thousands of, of guys to uh, do the same. And there was the origins of monasticism in the Catholic tradition. So he's out there in the desert, and uh, you know he's actually making waves all throughout the empire. It's very, very it became very famous all throughout the Roman Empire. And uh, one of the Constantine's sons, who was ruling the empire at that time, um, wrote him a letter. And so somehow the letter was delivered to him, and some of the brothers went, "Abba, here, here's a here's a letter from the emperor." And he says, well, okay. Doesn't open it, doesn't care about it, doesn't look at it. And like, it's from the emperor. And he says, yeah, so. <laughs> and he says, why would we be impressed with a letter from the emperor when we have received a letter from the emperor of the universe? Why would we be impressed with a letter from the Emperor of Rome when we have received a letter through the scriptures, through the gospel message, a personal letter from the ruler of the universe? And he did eventually open it up, and he basically just reminded the... Uh, it, it, was a, it was a positive letter, and he just reminded, though, the ruler. He says, remember who's the boss, who's in charge. Jesus is, not you. And you need to remember and take care of the poor and make sure that you rule justly. And make sure that you fight corruption. And only then will you be approved by the ruler of the kings of the earth. 
So my brothers and sisters, who's the boss? Yeah, we can talk about it in the public sphere. We can talk about it in our heart, in our personal lives. Jesus is the boss of every dimension. Okay, He's not just the boss for one part of us, but he's the boss for all of us. One of the most effective and beautiful ways of taking this kingdom of Christ and making sure it grows and it becomes... Uh, it grows as far as it wants to grow, as far as it naturally is bound to grow, is by works of social justice. And I want to just thank everybody for uh, the wonderful response that we have had over the past few months to this project, this charitable project that we've been working to get up and running called Family Promise. Thank you so much for all the time and the energy of so many volunteers uh, that have gone into this. And tonight, actually, is the first day of our host week. We put a lot of effort into this, and, uh, and it's going to happen. And it's, uh, everything's all set up, and we're really uh, looking forward to it being a success. So please keep that in your prayers. And remember, this is a great example. This is a perfect example of how Christianity is not just a knitting circle. It's not something that we just do on the weekends, and it doesn't affect our lives. It affects all of who we are. Months, you know, Sunday to Saturday, seven days a week. And uh, it's relevant to the broader community. And it influences and changes things and has an impact. And uh, one of the greatest ways of doing that is through our works of charity and love in the broader community. So thank you for all the volunteers and all the prayers and everything else uh, for Family Promise. Wonderful way to testify to who the real boss is, to Jesus, the King of the Universe.